There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to part two of Policing the Free State. In this decade of commemorations, and to mark the 100-year anniversary since the formation of Angarda Shikona on the 22nd of February 1922, I have selected five more interviews from our archives to illustrate the manner in which policing was carried out and the very personal experiences they encountered. Later in the podcast, you will hear the story of Garda Jerry McCabe, who was shot and killed in a dare during an attempted bank robbery. At 11, 12, maybe 13 bullets in his hands and across his face, across the back of his head, and they ricocheted out of, out of Ben's hands into Jerry. What you might expect being a young guard on the beat in Limerick City in the 1960s. You saw human life in all shapes and form when you're on the guard. Whether it is uh, looking for a lost young fella, following up some murder leads, etc. And uh, uh, last any cases... Uh, the big crack at the time was catching pubs after hours. It was a mortal sin. <laughs> and a story of dismissal from the force in the 1950s. But the judge, he said, well, to see, I can see, to see what happened, to see, but I hate to think what your authorities will think about it. And another story of dismissal from the force in 1929. You got a message... You have to report to the chief superintendent's office at 10 o'clock in uniform. So let's get started. William Geary lived in the Bronx in New York, where I met him and recorded him in 2004. And he started by telling me where he grew up. I was born Cluny Cottage, Ballyer Grand, County Limerick, 28th of February, 1899. He was an early Garda recruit in 1922. At that time, all you needed was you had a letter from your local captain, you had a letter from your parish priest, and you had to be five feet nine inches. So I got a letter from my captain, I got a letter from my parish priest, John Cannon Reeves. And I joined the Gishar, the Garda Shikon, on the 2nd of May, 1922, at Newbridge, County Kildare. Now at that particular time, there was supposed to be 
rebellion of the gods in Kildare. But I saw nothing unusual, no tension. Things are pretty normal. There was a meeting in the in the grounds there in which the government was denounced for hiring former IRIC men and giving them high ranks in the new guard Chicana. And mind you, the major of the volunteers all held some of them held very high ranks in the IRA. And anyway, the Gander Chicano was based on the old RIC. And where exactly? You, you went through the ranks very quickly yourself. You became a superintendent very quickly. That's interesting. In August of 1922, all of us from Kildare were went by train to Dublin <coughs> to the Kingsbridge Station. We got off the train and we marched up to Dublin Castle. We had no arms. I don't know who led us. Some say Michael Collins. But I know one man was Michael Staines. He was the commissioner of the garage, Chicana. So we stood outside of the castle. The British marched out. The British flag was lowered down and the Irish flag was hauled up. We marched into the castle, took possession of the castle. And then we had the arms. I normally, I did duty on the castle with a Lee Enfield rifle at night. Rifle fire all over the city. Was there rifle fire all over the city? Yeah. The civil war was on. There was shooting going on. He was transferred to Kilrush in County Kildare in 1926, and in 1928 he was summoned to appear before the Chief Superintendent Nelligan and General O'Duffy to explain why he had accepted a bribe from the IRA. I was in Kilrush and the digs and one of the men, the guard came down to me and they said, you, you got a message, you have to report to the chief superintendent's office at 10 o'clock in uniform. I got dressed and my driver was John McLean, went over to Ennis, got there in time, 10 o'clock. When I got to Ennis, we had small talk. The chief didn't tell me anything. And then about 20 minutes or so, we walked down to the old ground hotel, up the back stairs. At the top of the stairs, I think the chief had his hand on the knob of the door. And he said to me, your life is ruined. You'd better tell the truth. But these are the words he used. Opened the door, went in. And sitting in the room at the table was Commissioner Ono Duffy. 
Deputy Commissioner Leoman Colvin and Chief Superintendent of the Detectives David Nelligan. I saluted and the Commissioner said to me, Sit down. I did. He opened the conversation, said to me, Mr. Geary, we have evidence that you took a bribe of 100 pounds for information you gave to the Republicans. I was absolutely shocked. In fact, I blushed. I said, could that possibly be? Could it happen in my dream? The next thing that happened is Nelligan stood up and he searched me there and there. He actually searched you? Yeah, searched my pockets. Took out my pocketbook and the rest of it. And after that, therefore nothing in me of interest. So then we went into the adjoining room with Nelligan, Nelligan and me. And I believe it or not, I was so upset, I cried. Nelly knew my family. He knew that I couldn't possibly do a thing like that. I told him I took no money or whatever. When I came out, Duffy had disappeared. Didn't see me anymore. That evening, I was suspended from duty and told to report to the depot the following Monday. Oh, what did you do when you were suspended? Did you? I went back to Kilrush. I paid my bills. I sold my car. And did you emigrate at that stage over here to the States? Or what happened then? No. I was in the depot for about five or six days. And uh, I must tell you one thing. While I was in the depot, my good friend, Mike Higgins, superintendent, when I was in, he was a superintendent in Tullis when I was in Templemore. He came in to see me. And he, he told, he, before he came to see me, he was talking to Nelligan. And Nelligan told him I was going to be booted out of the, of the force. So what did your friend, uh, was he upset at this? or He just, happened? he made no comment. So as a result of that, I wrote a letter to the adjutant denying that I had taken a bribe and demanded and requested an attorney. He waited 75 years before finally receiving a full pardon in 2002 and William Geary passed away in 2004. I'm here in Tallaght in the council buildings and I'm talking to Bertie Carey. Uh, talk to me a little bit about your background. You're um, a lawyer compound man. That, that right? is correct, yes. Born in 1934 
a family of a family of seven out near the bog there were lots of old main thing was cut and turf near near Ergum Pond Bordemona. But anyway, as I said, we cut turf, we didn't have much, we had a whole of four or five or six cows and um, big family, big awkward men and we uh, then uh, few us went to I went to the take in Trali in nineteen forty nine I think. Forty eight, forty nine would it be? And then, as I said, I was there for two and a half years and uh, learned nothing there indeed. I tried my best, but I wasn't that clever, to be quite frank. Yes. Then I, I played for the guards, right? The guards here in Dublin. Yeah. Guards yeah. Car, right? Yeah. And I failed the first time and I passed the second time and I joined the guards in 1955 uh, in the depot, in October 55. Went into the depot in 55. In the Phoenix Park depot, no, that day, and trained there, and and then I did my, then I went to Kevin Street after six months, and then I was there until fifty eight. And and so, but why didn't what happened? Why didn't you stay on in the guards if you if oh, you yeah. liked? To oh, yeah. oh, I don't mind. I don't mind. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, I was. I used to join join the job. As I said, there wasn't. Um, it wasn't. A hard job, really, but there was some very, very good guards in it, and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, to, to probably enjoy it too well, and uh, it was a good social life that time. Uh, and we thought, anyway, as young lads, of course you would, you know. But anyway, we went out. We wanted to, oh, oh, what, what did happen? Oh, my complete fall from grace. Yeah, <laughs> we Thursday night we got paid in Kevin Street. In that time, and of course, we all got dressed up in lovely blues, lovely suits, and lovely people. So we said we go for a drink. We went out for a, a local pub in Odeez there near Jacobs uh, factory, where it used to be, and then went into town, Omaris. And somebody suggested we'd go to, believe it or not, uh, to Kennedy's of Old Barn in Tala. Bonafide that time. And, you know, and anyway, the we were had had a few refreshments to a man at that stage, so we, we hopped in a bus for Tala, bona fide. Brady Gallagher was going very strong that time, and whatever we did, we we had a row amongst ourselves, right? And and uh, and uh, 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 we fought, and there was one civilian got a clip, no, fell against him, a door. See, we were all big men, big awkward men, and there was a door knocked out. That's all that was done. So, uh, uh, word went to Tala Garda Station, and an inspector and two squad cars came and arrested us. <laughs> <laughs> we were put in the Tala in the in the station down where the old um, the, 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 uh, the old Tala Garda Station, the old one. We were put in the cell there, and we were left out at three o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? And uh, and we went to, anyway, we got Herman Good. He was a solicitor that time. He was a judge, judge thing, didn't he? But, uh, we, yeah, we, we were suspended for two months. The court case came up in Ratfarnham, and we were fined something like £15 each or something and paid expenses, and that was it. But the judge, he said, well, to see, I can see, to see what happened, to see, but I hate to think what your authorities will think about it. 
So that was the word that did it. The, the commissioner, not the commissioner, but the superintendent panicked. And he asked us to resign. Oh, yeah. You know, but that was the discipline that time. And I, 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 uh, we were all, I mean, I became an expert snooker player over that time. You know, the snooker table in, in the barracks, great. And, and uh, I said, um, so we were just asked to resign. I was 24 at the time. I didn't really worry too much at all at that age. You wouldn't, you know, and, uh, and any of the boys didn't. My sisters and my brothers and that, they were upset and all that, losing my job. Of course, I was probably so innocent at whatever it is at the time that I didn't worry too much about it. But anyway, we, we simply, uh, it be, oh, if we didn't go, we wouldn't get a reference. Was that it? Yeah, so we could afford the case. Yes. Yeah, as soon as you got your notice and you were told, yeah, you were dismissed. Right, and I went off to Liverpool. A fellow got me a job there that I knew in the bar in, in Scotland Road in Liverpool. Right. So back over across the water Back to again. England, this and north of England, yeah. yeah. And there for a while, then I went out in the trench in Widnes and Runcorn. Now you would know them place, St. Helens. Uh, three pigs and glass there near the airport in, in Speak Airport, you speak all that time outside Liverpool, wasn't it? But anyway, but I didn't like that he'd been down in a, in a hole after three years of dossing in the guard, you know. So anyway, this <laughs> it was a huge shock to me, I can tell you that. That's the one time in all time I was ever sorry. Yeah, about about it, and I, you know, I never worried about it really. And you know, people said you should, you know, just people said who was at fault, and there was a person at fault, but like, I never considered it to be quite too serious anyway. Because as I said, but then I went to cast in Liverpool, and then I uh, joined the Irish Guards. And a friend of mine, that him in the bar, he was in the he was in the in the Grenadier Guards. So he man said, you want to go in there to see, you know, join a mixed Irish girls, great life, you know. Was I sorry? <laughs> but I hopped in the train down to Liverpool, down to um, Caterham in Surrey that time. And I, uh, and, and, and then there was, uh, um, there was about seven or eight in the carriage with us on the way down. I think it was Liverpool Street Station, we, we, you know, to down to there and go, go up into Caterham and sorry, but there were four or five lads, and and, and when I saw the lads, I said, where are you going? Oh, I'm joining the guards, I'm, I'm joining the, the, the Welsh guards, I'm joining the Scots guards, I'm joining the Grenadiers of the Coast Rangers. You see, you know, there's five regiments of the guards. Yes. You know, five. Yes. So but I, I was in the Irish guards. Yeah, you were going to join the RES. In the one depot, yeah. you see. Yeah. You all train in that time, and you still do all the regiments. As I said, there's five regiments there. Yeah. And they all they all trained there, but you know. And when I looked at the teddy boys and the rough looking gimmicks in the carriage, and it doesn't, no. <laughs> oh my word! I, I said, what? They were getting nervous. They were getting nervous, and it wasn't even it wasn't even it wasn't even in the st- in the in the gate that time. But that was it. I did my three years. I hated it for a start. A huge shock altogether. You know, I felt a shout at you like mad and. <laughs> Discipline again, and but but as I said, I I I did my three years. I was in three two troops troops of the colours, and I was at Maggie's funeral. And Maggie's funeral? No, no, no. <laughs> I was at Maggie's wedding, Maggie's wedding, 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 wedding. Where were you? <laughs> Prince, 
Prince, Princess Margaret. Oh, Princess Margaret. Oh, yes. Yes, wedding. I'm here in Cork and I'm talking to Jim Crockett. Where did you go to school and, and who, who educated I'm, you? I'm school at Christian Brothers School in Blarney Street and later on the Northman Secondary School for a short period. I left school around 15 and a half and um, I uh, went into work in a factory in Sumbi Mulsey yeah. at 16. 18 years, you went on three shifts and I stayed there until I was 23. Oh, they were great employers. Very good money, but I, I said to myself, this is not a thing I could be doing for the rest of my life. So I um, I decided I'd join the guards. I'll make up the gate. I didn't know any guards or any connection with the guard. So, and being from Granabra, there were very few members of the guard that ever joined there. I think I was the second person in the north side in that area to join the guards. So um, that's what I started doing, and I did the guard exam, and uh, I was successful, and I joined the guards in August 1968. So you were detective ser- sergeant here in in Cork, yeah, and uh, uh, around the 1990s. Yeah, the early, well, the early, early 90s. It yeah, was, it was before from 88 to 91. Like when I was here. As detective sergeant in Mayfield, this was the most unassuming fella. He was um, Bob Mayfield in the, in the flats in Mayfield, and he always wore a wig. And a couple of the local criminals were very much afraid of him. I couldn't figure out why. You know, how would you be afraid of this man? You know, very inoffensive man. Around with a week, no one would go near him. So, on the, on the last work with me, I was detective sergeant at the time, uh, he was caught um, selling a uh, washing machine. That's what it was, a new washing machine. So, I wasn't long here at the time, and I interviewed him then. I said um, he, he was going to court shortly. And he said, Will you do a deal? I said, what are you offering and all? Well, he says, you know, there was paintings stolen in Dublin. He asked, say, huh? He said, I'll get you some of them. All right, say. So then he was charged before the court. So, um, next, anyway, I met up with him a couple of weeks. He was on remand, so, and, uh, he arrived with three paintings to me. So, to me, you throw them in the fire. So what happened then was, I knew nothing, I know nothing about paintings. So I brought him into um, the art gallery inside in Cork there, by the opera house. And uh, I met this the man. The Crawford Gallery. Yeah. yeah. I met this man inside and uh, I said, look, so I, I have those. Could you tell me are they valuable or not? But he says, honestly, he says, I can't, couldn't give you a value of doors. No, he's as simple as that. But he says, I guarantee you, he says, they're catalogued somewhere. Yeah. Oh, says I. He says, they're Flemish origin, 15th century. And he says, I'd say they're worth a lot of money. 
points today. So it turned out to be any I got some more often than another two or three. So it was um what was his name? He was the the head, the head chief justice in Ireland. His place had been robbed. Oh yes. All the silverware went to one side and the paintings came south. Yeah. My man with the, the wig that and he um I dealt for him anyway and I had the paintings and uh, he was going to Dublin so when I went to Dublin I got some another Kellyman, Tony Hickey, you might have known Tony. Oh yes, yeah. He was in Mount Chai also with me, Tony. And Tony is a very, very nice man and lovely man. Himself and Martin Cannon, they were on the one team as such, he was later Garda Commissioner. So they um, put a trail on your man. So he came back to me, Jimmy, he says, that's what he says, he's meeting some very heavy boys here, he says. And uh, next time, a couple of weeks later, or a couple of months later, I suppose, my man came back to me again, he says, look, he says, the rest of, the rest of those paintings, he says, are above the Dublin Mountains, such and such a place. There's a caravan there, he says, and there's an old, an old um, sofa chair on top of it. Did you go? I didn't yourself? go. No, yeah. I passed on the information then. And yeah, they, and they picked the them hickey, up. Hickey went off with his crew and they got the stuff there. there. And when they got the paintings mm. and gave them back, mm. uh, what did you do with the guy with with the, the um, I brought the, the, <laughs> the false head of hair? Huh. I brought him to, uh, up as far as uh, Portlaoise. Oui. So I found another brought to the to oh, What was his name? Can you remember his name? Donovan was his name. Okay, and so was he put in jail? He's dead. Oh God, no. What happened? Was he not no. accused of this at all? No. No, of handling or otherwise. Yeah. Is it? No, no. He received him down here to sell on for the cows. Yeah. And um, he told me about him. Yeah. So he gave him to me. And because he handed them over to you, he no got off then. Well, there was no charges yeah. even considered for him yeah. on the recovery of those. Uh, um, but explain to me, I mean, if he was tied up with the, with that group, you know, Cahill oh, and yeah, the Irish, uh, why, why did he come to you to hand them in? Well, because he, the lads working with me, had him cut for selling the... An old washing machine. The yeah. stolen property. That was all. He, would, he didn't want any convictions. And he had no idea of the value of the... Oh, I'd say he did. He, did knew he? he knew who he was dealing with. Then. Yeah. But he, he didn't want to be... Any you know, convictions to, on him, man. Yeah. Wasn't that amazing? I'm here in Rooney's uh, estate agents and uh, I, right here in, in the middle of Limerick City... Uh, and I'm talking to Pat Kearney. You're a Kerry man. Uh, Castle Islands. Castle Islands. College, Castle Islands. And, uh, and that's where you grew up? And Grew uh, up on a farm. And so were there many of you down there? Yeah, well, I had 10 in my family. My. And where did you fit in? The eldest. And you were the first to leave home, so were you? Uh, no, my sister, two sisters had left before me and gone nothing in yeah. England. 
I see. And mm-hmm. educated by the Christian Brothers? Uh, no, it's a, uh, we had a, a college in Castellan in St. Patrick's, Tim and Nora Kerisk and Jim Lyons were the teachers. And uh, it was in the old library at the top of the town. Oh, I see. Yeah. I joined the guard. There was a, an exam there, a truly public exam for the guard of Shikona. You went in, did your exam. I got a call for the guard of Shikona in February 1961. Six months on the beat. Then I was drafted in to run the sergeant's office in Edward State Guard Station. Then I was transferred to the superintendent's office in Templemore Town. And then I was transferred back into the chief superintendent's office in William Street in Limerick. How interesting was all that? Fantastic. Why? Fantastic. First of all, you got to, uh, I suppose, you saw human life in all shapes and form when you're on the guard. Whether it is uh, looking for a lost young fella, following up some murder leads, etc. And uh, uh, last in cases, uh, the big crack at the time was catching pubs after hours. It's a mortal sin. <laughs> the publican hates it to have his name in the paper. <laughs> the fellas found on would have their names on there as well. And they yeah. were all embarrassed. Uh, oh, that's long gone. All changed. But the comrades I met in the Gardaí, uh, I met the, a lot of the guards who joined in the early days. One of the guards above in Edward State was uh, George Summers. He was a larger than life Harry Seacombe. Mm-hmm. The jolliest man with rosy cheeks. He joined on the first week the guards were established. His number was 391. So he joined I the first day. That. Oh, yeah, he joined the first day. Yeah. Lovely, lot. So I met people of that caliber. They were delightful men, very helpful, uh, very common sense, common sense approach to everything. Yeah. And uh, for example, there was a Sergeant Farden. And People would have problems, and maybe the young fellow Black Adam and so on and so forth. And he'd invite them in, and he'd write a letter for them yeah. to get the young fellow out of some spotted trouble. I see. And he'd say, Now go home now and write that letter yourself in your own handwriting and send it in. <laughs> <laughs> Form of education for it. It was. Yeah, indeed. Yeah. And it was an education for you, I'd say. Fantastic. I absorbed all the advice, the education. I loved the history stories that they gave, and it was a delight to be among people of that caliber. So, it, it, as you say, it was a, a big decision to, to make, but as soon as you got your Huge. car and you got your double wages, <laughs> right, yeah. you were <laughs> And I was young, as yeah. I was only 27. But to tell you a story about the old guard, Sergeant Davis, I walked in the office with Sergeant Davis every day. He was a delightful elderly man uh, down from Baltimore the sack of Baltimore down at West Cork and to show you the wisdom I suppose and the common sense a young chap came in one day Morris and he said sergeant sergeant I'm getting a job downtown in such a shop but they've asked me for a guard's reference and this chap was a nice chap but he was one of those 50-50 fellas at the yeah. same time you see yeah. so sergeant Davis said come back tomorrow and he followed me he said sit down there and I'll type this Let's say this man is Johnny Murphy. To whom it concerns, this man, Johnny Murphy, is fit for anything. Young Philip would have delighted with his reference. Yeah. The employer is looking at it, he's fit for anything. <laughs> <laughs> There's a downside to that too. Anne McCabe, it's lovely to sit to be sitting down here in Limerick with you and talking to you this morning. Okay. What exactly happened down there? in Adair? Well, uh, 
they were detailed to be at work at six o'clock and Jerry and Ben were going up the stairs and where the two of them were together there was always fun and laughter and there was the lovely girl up there Mary Flaherty was her name she was in before them and she could hear the two of them laughing because Ben was always the joker mm-hmm. Jerry was the prompter so uh, they went out they said now rumour had it that they knew who they were but they didn't because when they went into work they didn't know what detail they were going to be on they could have been anyone could have been um, Captain Moore was one of them Pat wasn't it and Adair I don't know what the other one was so they just said well we'll take the Adair run and they took it and um, when they were driving out it was kind of misting and Jerry said to Ben Ben turn on the wipers that was the last conversation they had they were just coming into a dare when Ben saw the Pajero Jeep through the mirror and he said oh Jesus Jerry he knew they were in trouble that's exactly what he said okay and um, so did shots ring out or they did they they rammed the car from the back and uh, they told the post office uh, Jackson was his name Willie Jackson to get out of the car and he was sitting down on the footpath I believe with his hands up there he thought he was going to be shot too but they started firing indiscriminately into the car they didn't give them a chance and then they said it wasn't intentional but how do you call not intentional when you start firing and you stop and you start again. Okay. So what was intentional about that? Ben was just a walking miracle because Ben had 11, 12, maybe 13 bullets in his hands and across his face and across the back of his head and they ricocheted out of out of Ben's hands into Jerry. I see. And he said, he tried to get a pulse, what he said there was none so I reckon Jerry died instantly there must have been panic on the street at that time as well there wasn't really that many around at, maybe after they heard the shooting and what haven't you but apparently there was a bit of an argument going on between these guys that murdered Jerry and almost murdered Ben and then they went off in this van this white van and okay. maybe a lot of the people in the air were around the place at that stage Okay, and uh, did it take long to apprehend these uh, people? Uh, they knew who they were nearly straight away. Okay. They knew who they were. But I think a lot of the guards outside, they were in such shock as well, you know. Was yeah. It's a man's they life, didn't, it's uh, gone. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't think that it would happen in a lovely place like Adair. And no matter who the guard was, but I reckon yeah. Terry was very popular with them. We've come to the end of this week's podcast, Policing the Free State Part 2. I'd like to thank all of those involved in the making of this podcast and all of the interviews are available if you'd like to listen to the full-length interviews. They're on our website, that's www.irishlifeandlore.com. I'm Morris O'Keefe and I look forward to bringing you another podcast next week. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The secret to summer ready skin is here. Osea's number one best selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.